Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices that we take for granted are out of date, illogical, or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room, and I'm here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a couple of F-bombs thrown in for good measure. Pilates Elephants is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher who really fucking knows your stuff. Hey, Pilates Elephants listeners. I am so happy to be back with you. I am here with Amy Hedger. Amy, hi. Hey, Raph. Great to be with you. Great to be with you too. Very excited to be on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our convo. So um, uh, first, can you just uh, introduce yourself? Yes, I can. Um, so yes, I'm Amy. Um, I've been teaching Pilates for about six years or so. Um, four of those years probably in Melbourne, two of those years in London, and about six months in Brisbane when I fled Melbourne, the first lockdown, I got out of there, um, got out of here. And yes, I've done my cert for um, with Breathe and my diploma with Breathe as well. My diploma last year, wasting some time with all the lockdowns last year. And yeah, that is me. And uh, you currently teach full time. That's your main source of income? I do. Yes, I'm, I'm a full time Pilates instructor. I teach about 30 classes a week, 30 plus classes a week. Yeah, she's busy. Um, so, so I teach probably about 12 online classes and the rest in the studio. The online classes are mainly private. So they've got reformers in their houses and, um, and then a couple of group classes as well. And the rest are in the studio. So yeah, I'm very, I'm very busy. It's very exhausting, but I love teaching. I'm a workaholic and I love, I love exercising. I don't think I could do a, um, I think I could do like a like a nine to five. I was going to say a boring job, <laughs> not a boring job. Not sitting at a desk is all boring jobs, but I don't think I could I'd do like a nine to five job that's sitting at a desk because I like to move around and I love exercise and yeah. Um. All right. So you were. I mean, you already. I'm impressed by your schedule and your entrepreneurial uh, mindset there of setting up your own classes online and. Um, I think I recall from a conversation we had ages ago that some of those clients might be in the UK. Is that true? Yeah, so I've got I've got uh, the group classes I do. They're all in the UK. They um, it's an online shout out to Matt. He's um he's a legend. He he does his own online um group classes. Uh, he does one every single morning. My well, our Australian time four thirty p.m. and they're seven thirty p.m. Uh, a.m. Um, so I do two classes for him per week and then I have my private clients, a couple in Sweden, one in um, London and then a few, I used to have a few in Greece but yeah, they're kind of like everywhere. I picked them up when I was in London because I was teaching there and then once the, once COVID happened, everyone bought performers and then they messaged me on Instagram, they're like, can you please teach me at home? I need to exercise, there's so many good classes. So yeah, then I just kept teaching people online. So, the new yeah. global economy, good on you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you're also teaching at Rise Pilates here in Melbourne? I am. Shout out to Laura's, mm. Laura Saggers. Previous guest um, on the show. Yes, love her a lot. Yeah, so I teach at Rise um, and I also teach at Core Plus. I'm mainly here at Rise. And um, yeah, I would, 
if you've never done listeners, if you've never done a class at Rise Pilates, I'd definitely come and do a class because it is probably the most, actually, no, it is the best studio that I've ever worked for in my life, I think, because of Laura. She's just so, so lovely, so caring. Like when I first met her, I was like, is, is this girl real? <laughs> I don't really, I don't know, she's just so nice and so lovely. And to her, um, to her instructors, she's just so empowering and so encouraging and she's constantly trying to build us up and organize drinks and organize workshops and she really, really has built the, the culture here um, very well and, it, and um, it results in the studio. You can feel it as soon as you walk in, even when no one's in here, you can feel it when you walk in that uh, it's, such a, it's such a great feeling and all the clients are amazing too. So yeah, she's a legend. And what a great setup for our topic today, uh, where you talk about um, the you know the way that Laura lifts up the team there, and also has created a coherent community around the workplace and around the, the studio. Uh, that our topic today is the tension between unity and change in the Pilates industry, and so. Uh, can you set this up for us, please, Amy? Because basically, you initiated this topic um, by reaching out to me. I did a post on social media a few weeks back, and you—I can't remember if you DM'd me or phoned me or texted me or something—but I was like, "Oh shit, Amy's pissed off with me." You know, <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I was like, "I've got to talk to you, Raph. I've got to talk to you." Um, yeah, so it was just a pod. I was a um, a post on Instagram that the. I think, yeah, it was more about, it wasn't about what it was about. It was about the language behind the change. And it's a really hard one because I'm very passionate about how the industry needs to change. And for like any of the listeners out there that already are evidence-based and um, um, what's the word? Not even, uh, um if you're listening, if you're a listener to this and you've implemented any of the things that you've learned by listening to the podcast, and if you're doing research on your own and seeking out, you know, studies and guidelines and things, if that's you, if you're using external queuing or not telling, not queuing the core anymore, I mean, that we're talking to you, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm very passionate about the change that needs to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, it needs to it needs to happen. I think like with a gentle nudge, but if the gentle nudge is not going to do anything, I don't know how to do it. Like I don't know how. I mean, yeah, I think with the way that I've I've done it now that I've um, that I've transitioned to this new way of teaching, um, which I like more than highly recommend. I don't even know how to speak. Uh, how how to how to tell you that you need to kind of move towards this way, but um, it's I mean the proof is in the pudding. Like you see the clients' results, you see how happy um, clients are, you see how strong they get from not micromanaging their bodies and not and not saying like make sure you engage this before you move because that actually like that actually feeds into their pain narratives, doesn't it, Raph? Like it. When when there's well uh, from from personal experience, I've had clients that come up to me after they've done another person's class and say, "I've got lower back pain because I think that in this exercise I'm not doing it right." Um, the instructor has said that make sure you do it like this. My back doesn't do that, so I feel like I'm not doing it right, and I'm getting I'm experiencing pain, which like their back pain has probably got nothing to do with them doing a glute bridge wrong. Yes. Um, 
And so, there is you no know, wrong. It, there is no wrong. There is no wrong. What is right? And, and yeah, uh, I think, I think, um, there can be fear mongering, no language in your classes that you might not think that is nocebic you might not think that is wrong but what you what you say in your class is so important and to the point where it can feed people's pain narrative when you're just saying something silly like draw your belly button in towards your spine sorry not silly different but yeah I just think like there's there's got to be a point where this has got to be phased out and to encourage encourage instructors to 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 stop and, without and, like being rude and and you were kind of I don't know if triggered is the right word but you were somethinged by the post that I made which yeah. I think the post that I did that that you didn't that you contacted me about was the title was stop posting workout videos yes yes and so that that yeah that was that was quite triggering for me because um one because the language that was saying stop doing this. And I know, because I said to you on the phone, I know that you weren't targeting me, but I saw that post as, oh, I feel targeted. When I'm, I don't really, I don't really mean maybe I do post that post workout videos, but I don't really. But um, I think, yeah, there's two, there's two things in that. There's two elements to that where the language um, targets, targets people when they're not even doing that anyway. And they go, well, you tell me to stop. I'm not going to stop. Um, and then there is the, uh, there is like behind that as well that um, it is a valid point that you made, but what is what? How can we say it in a better way so that people don't? Yeah. And so yeah, so yeah, so we had a we had a really good chat on the phone, and uh, basically we came to we came to think about this as kind of a, I guess like a, a the tension between two values that are both important to both of us and one value is like unity um or you know basically not going out of your way to piss people off or belittle people or you know telling them they're doing things wrong you know it's like if someone wants to teach the teaser in a different way than you teach the teaser like why can't that just be okay you know <laughs> why can't they just teach the teaser however the heck they want to teach they the do teaser. them and we do us. right and everyone can love each other yeah. and it's like why is that a problem so that's that's the value of you know of unity, let live and let live, you know, to each their own, or or all the rest of it. Uh, and then there's this other value which is conflicting, which is like, well, actually, some ways of teaching the teaser are in fact objectively harmful to to clients. You know, like if you say, you know, you must do the teaser this way, or you will hurt your back, right? Or you know, you can't do the teaser because your back has got bone on bone in it. Like those things, you know. Are, can cause actual you know, measurable harm to people. And so there is, you know, it is really important from that perspective that we actually, you know, do strive to move the industry towards a more evidence-based, you know, guideline concordant way of working. And so that's basically saying, okay, no, it's not okay that you teach teaser the way you teach it. <laughs> I want mm. you to teach it this way. <laughs> mm. So it's, it's and, really yeah. in direct opposition. Exactly. And I think, I think it's just about, the instructor going away after their class and going, what did I say today? What did I say to that? What did I say in that class? Did that, was that, did I even need to say that? And, you know, I've had a few instructors, like new instructors that come to my class and I've had conversations with them out of the class and said, 
you know, we really need to make this change, blah, blah, blah. And they've said, oh, yeah, like, I, yeah, I know, like, all about this external queuing, but I haven't really tried it. Like, and then they come to my class and they, they notice the change and the difference. And, and, then, and then they go away and do their class. And then they notice after their class, oh, damn it, I said that. And it's just about it's just about going back and go like what what did I say today? It's just critical thinking of your own class, and I think it comes back to putting yourself in the client's uh, in the client's um, situation. And it comes yeah, it all comes back to same thing. Like if you do an exercise, you you t- you're teaching an exercise, try the exercise in the machine, be in the client's yeah. position, yeah, and then never teach it you if know, you haven't done it. How do you want to be taught? Teach how you want to be taught. If you want to be taught micromanaged and internally cued and like you can't do the exercise before something's engaged, then I don't know, do that, I guess. But Well, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I, I think given, you know, what we talk about it every day on this show, I don't think people, most people are listening. I think they tuned out a while ago. They got yeah, some one-star exactly. review and, and turned off, you know. So. Yeah. I'm going to assume that those people who are, you know, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong and you're listening and you disagree with any of this, hey, get in touch. Reach out through the link in the show notes. Tell me, you know, explain to me uh, your point of view. I'd love to, love to hear from you. Um, mm. But, you know, assuming that uh, people listening to this, you know, do, you know, want to work towards being the most evidence-based up-to-date they can be, and that is a long journey. Like it's very hard if you've been teaching, you know, 5, 10, 15 years to just go, oh, I'm just going to change the every the way I teach every day. You know, I've said the same thing when I teach the footwork every day for five years. Now I'm just going to change that. It's like it's really hard to change that quickly. It is. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if you're in the process of, of going through that, respect, hats off to you, you're doing awesome. And don't worry if every now and then or even quite often, you know, some of the old stuff slips out. It's like it's a gradual process. It took me like five years to transition. <laughs> so Yeah, um, it's yeah. hard. And you've got to be just comfortable with, being uncomfortable right. and you've got to be comfortable with being uncertain and just having and it's not like you don't say anything like you just ramp up the music and have a chat to sue in the corner and you're just like woo keep going team so let's get back to this post at which i said the yes. title page was stop posting workout videos what was triggering to you about that like you felt like i was you know like targeting you i, I totally wasn't but no um, but yeah so what 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 felt not right about that i think what felt not right about that was the feeling that we weren't encouraging instructors to post their creativity and their work on on i guess their work on on um on instagram because i mean i do snippets of exercises i love coming up with new exercises and i think there's nothing wrong with posting new exercises getting um, getting inspiration by new instructors and also just watching fucking strong bodies do some cool shit on a mat or a reformer. And I think that's how, yeah, that's how we can keep the, keep the industry strong by showing what we can do online and then, you know, commenting and be like, that's amazing. That's so cool that you made that up or that's so cool that, um, that you can do that with your body. Like you're so strong. And I think, yeah, that's what I love about that's what I love about Pilates and and exercises, just like human resilience and seeing how strong people can be. And if we stop posting stuff 
then we won't be able to get that out there, I guess, and we won't be able to encourage instructors. Because I, yeah, it makes me feel proud to be in the industry to see yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, oh, that's a what a great point because uh, so for the context on that post, which I'll link to in the show notes, uh, I'm I'm coming at that from a business point of view, and you know this, Amy, because you read mm. the post. But for those listening, yeah. um, that. Uh, a lot, basically, you know, my whole Instagram feed is full of Pilates instructors. That's basically all, you know, everybody I follow. And I see like all the time, like every, my whole feed is full of Pilates instructors posting workout videos for their clients. And they're like, hey team, you know, here's a quick five minute, you know, neck release series. If you want more of this, join up for my online platform and do my on-demand classes. And I think that's just a terrible way of getting new clients because like you, Amy, and like me, I think who follows Pilates instructors are the Pilates instructors. So when you're posting posting workout videos, you're not going to get any fucking clients from that because (laughs) 99% of the people who are watching it and going, yeah, you're awesome, are are the Pilates instructors. So – so that's my that's my reason of for making that post. It's not because I'm offended by people posting workout videos. It's just like I think it's a freaking terrible way to get clients. And if you want to get clients, there's way better uses of your time than posting workout videos. Hundred um, percent. And what you just said about lifting up, like um, basically using those workout videos as a as a communication tool to show like what cool, creative, strong shit you can do as a as a Pilates instructor and to basically promote positive change and, you know, fearless movement in the industry, I think that's fucking awesome. And I don't think you should stop posting those videos. I just think, mm. you, should, you know, people shouldn't waste their time posting videos if they think they're going to get clients from it. Yeah. You know, no. If, if those of you listening, if you disagree, if you get lots of clients from posting workout videos, seriously, not being facetious, get in touch. I'd love to know your story. And if I'm wrong, I'd like to know about it. So um, anyway, mm. So, but I think, you know, basically in our further conversation and thinking about this, like the, I think the key kind of idea that I really want to sort of try and tease out is the tension between, you know, well, that stop posting workout videos with the stop all highlighted in pink, right, really got your attention, right? And in this instance, not in a good way, but it really got your attention, and if I just put something else that like was not possibly going to be upsetting to anyone, probably hardly anyone would have read the post. So yeah, exactly. So, so where's so, the middle ground? So <laughs> and the same thing. So how do we it's resolve the same thing this? What we're talking about. Yeah. So how do we? How do we? You know, at the same time. Well, I don't. I don't know if it's possible, but it's like how do we navigate this tension between? you know, being supportive and like genuinely, like if you want to run your business, like if you want to teach workout videos and you think that's a great way of getting clients, like I don't give a shit, you know, do whatever you want. Like, and I'm not talking to you, Amy, because I know that's not you, but it's like, if you're listening to this, like genuinely, (laughs) I've got no dog in this race. But if you're posting workout videos, thinking that you're getting clients by doing that, I think you're misguided and there's probably way better ways for you to get clients. But I don't care. Like, I don't think that makes you a bad person or any, you know, it's just like, I just think it's a waste of time. You know, it's not a useful way to spend your energy. Um, so, like, how do we, how do we, in, in, you know, at the same time, encourage change and move towards change whilst 
not, you know, whilst at the same time supporting and lifting each other up, you know, like are those things just, it seems to me like those things are just like fundamentally in tension with each other. And I don't know if they're mutually exclusive, but I think like, well, is, you know, can I say at the same time, hey, however you'd want to teach a teaser is fine by me and I don't care and you're awesome. And at the same time, please teach the teaser a bit more like this because <laughs> that's what the guidelines say. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, what's that saying about the fish rotting from the head or something? The fish always stinks from the head. Oh, yeah, yeah, I say that all the time. <laughs> so, like, whatever studio you work for and your boss should be encouraging this and not pushing it on you so therefore you feel uncomfortable in your class. But um, like, yeah, just talking about it, Laura, again, she just does it so well. Um, and, and yeah, it's about, it, it's about the unity that you have as a studio and how you are all working together to try and be the best you can be. And I think it's just if you care, like if you care about your clients and you care about each other in the studio, you care about the other instructors, you um, you work as a team, you want to get the best results out of your out of your um, students, your clients. We've just changed our class um, descriptions to levels and before they were flow and fit. Um, and it's so amazing, like, uh, we've, I think it's been three weeks now that they've changed, maybe even four weeks. Um, we've changed the levels to level one and level two, and they'll be soon uh, level three. Um, and watching the clients get stronger and stronger and keep upping their springs because we know, like, we know as instructors what what everyone's springs are on, or the clients' springs are on, and we're all as a team instructors building our clients up to get stronger and stronger and stronger so we actually have a plan for them like we actually have they come here and they've got you know they come on a monday wednesday friday they come on tuesday thursday they come on the days and they know when to come and they know um uh they know what springs they are they're on for the, for the certain exercises um and yeah so we're working together and we're working together to make people strong so i think unity and working hard within your own studio to build that connection up with each other like laws she puts on workshops she puts on she would go for drinks like you know me and her really close like it's it's a it's a relationship that you have and and it's it's like this yeah like I've always already said that it's a great vibe here but it's kind of like which cafe would you go to the cafe that all the all the um like the barista and the waitress they look like they just want to go home and and there's no music playing and everyone looks unhappy and it's just so shit. Or you want to go to the cafe that everyone's like, blah, 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 and they're having a good time, the music's up and it's busy and everything like that. Like as a client, which which cafe, like which which which, which studio you want to go to? You want to go to the studio with a vibe. It's all about the vibe. But I, 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 I totally agree with you in your assessment of how awesome Laura is, but I do think she's got an advantage there, which is that she's an employer and basically – when she employed you, she would have. I'm certain she would have said, "Hey, you know, here are my values. Here, are the, here's what's important to me in teaching. Here's what I define. You know, here's how I define good teaching, good service, etc." And you were like, "Oh, yeah, that's me too. That's how I think." But I bet that there were other people, perhaps, that when they had that conversation with Laura, they were like, "Yeah, no, that's not really me." 
and she gets to filter those people out at the kind of point of entry into the business. So basically, everybody who's in there already holds those same, you know, common values. Whereas, exactly. Yeah. Whereas if you're, so, you know, so if you're an employer, it's like, great, well, you can just basically say, hey, here's, here's my value system. Here's the value system of this business. You know, if you want to work here, here's how we do things. And, you know, but as a, just as a sort of free ranging member of the universe, you know, as a, just a, an instructor working at a studio or working, you know, alongside allied health professionals or, you know, whatever, it's like, well, how do you, how do you influence people or, you know, should you influence people? Can you influence people? Like if you go to someone else's class and you're like, you know, oh crap, they're telling me my spine is in danger and they're, you know, telling me to which muscles to activate, you know, like, or, or you see someone posting on social media and they're saying, oh, you have to be in neutral spine or you'll hurt yourself, you know, when you do footwork. Or mm-hmm. you get a client that, you know, comes into your class and you go, hey, Mary, welcome. We're going to do lunges. And they're like, oh, no. Amy said I can't ever lunge because of my knee, you know, because um, I've got arthritis. And, and it's like, well, and then Amy's teaching Mary on Tuesday nights and you're teaching Mary on Thursday nights. And so how do you navigate that? You know, like, so it's it's easy for the lawyers of the world because <laughs> she yeah. just gets to say, "Hey, it's my way or the highway." <laughs> but for for uh, for most, I think most instructors who are, or even I guess for Laura, she must have uh, you know um, interactions, I guess, with clients who she shares with allied health professionals, or you know, see things on social media, or interact with her peers and whatever who are studio owners and have discussions about this stuff. So it's like, well, to what extent do we? You know, if Mary comes into class and says, oh, the, my physio, my PT, you know, told me never to bend my knee beyond, you know, 90 degrees or whatever or because of my arthritis, to what extent do we just go, okay, fine, whatever, let's just stick with him, whatever your physio reckons, and sort of just live and let live? Or to what extent do we go, no, that's bullshit, you know, <laughs> your physio's an idiot? <laughs> well, I think like, yeah, there's. I think there's got to be, there's got to be an in-between that you, like, you can't just go, okay, yeah, you do you. I mean, some, I don't know, I can't, I can't, like, I have to, I have to have the conversation and just be like, well, this is the evidence to prove it, that blah, blah, blah. And saying you're wrong or your physio is wrong, like, you can't, you can't say that. People reject that. And it's this whole thing that they, yeah, they're going to reject, reject what you say if you're like, well, that's not, that's not right. But it's that, it's that gentle, it's that gentle nudge in the right direction that giving them the evidence and giving them the, the education of how this is actually like so important for you to do that lunge. Mm. And it's just little bits and pieces in the class that you've got to like just kind of yell out in the middle of the class and say like, just letting you know, it's really great for your knees, guys. <laughs> I love um, actually doing like little uh, just what I call kind of sneaking the veggies in with the bolognese sauce. Where when yeah. you've got young kids and they they hate veggies, but then when you grind up the veggies and put them in the bolognese, they eat them and love them. And as long as they can't see them, they they love them. And so, <laughs> it's like you, know, you do a burpee, but you don't tell them it's a burpee, right? So you you oh, you can't do lunges below ninety degrees. Fine, okay, we'll just do footwork with the foot with the you know the foot bar all the way up and the carriage stopper all the way in. Oh, you're bending it 130 degrees now. Oh, that's funny. It's this that's funny because you said you couldn't do do that before. Basically a squat. Yeah. <laughs> um, Basically a lunge. Right. Oh, we do, you know, we'll just do on all fours and rock back into child space. Oh, your knees bend at 160 degrees now. That's weird. You know. Ninja Pilates. <laughs> yeah. Um, Trickery. So, uh, you know, so I, I like doing doing those kinds of things. Um, 
and there's lots of other ways you can approach this. Like you could, you know, pull a client aside at the end of class outside when there's, you know, no one else around say, hey, would you mind if I got in touch with your physio or your PT? Because uh, sometimes actually like the PT might have not actually said that or the other instructor might have not actually said that. Like maybe they were in Mary's class on Tuesday and the client said, hey, Mary, my knee hurts when I'm squatting all the way to the floor. And Mary's like, well, maybe just give it a miss tonight. You know? mm. And maybe the yeah. client interpreted that as like never squat below 90 degrees again as long as you live. You know, maybe that's not what Mary said. Um, so, all right. So I'm sorry I keep harping on about it, but what a- We're going so, back to the post? Yeah, we're going back to the post. <laughs> so, all right. So, so because I, I think about this quite a bit because I exist in this world where actually I'm not a, I'm not a teaching Pilates instructor anymore. Like I, I don't teach Pilates to clients anymore. I did that for a decade and now I teach Pilates teachers. And so I'm, I'm actually an educator, not a Pilates instructor these days. Um, and so it is actually my job to educate people. Whereas as a Pilates instructor, I would argue that it's not your core job function to educate people. It's your core job function to give people a freaking awesome workout and, you know, help them reach their fitness and health goals. And that may involve educating them along the way, but they don't come to you primarily for education. They come to you for a workout and to you know, get stronger and fitter and all the rest of it. So I'm here, I'm educating away and I do some of my educating on, on social media. And, uh, there are a whole bunch of us, um, which is really exciting doing educating on social media around, you know, how to be a more evidence-based movement professional. There's a lot of physical therapists doing it. There's a lot of, uh, you know, great personal trainers doing it. There's some really great Pilates instructors doing it around the world. And we're on a spectrum and some of us, I think, you know, at, at at one end of the spectrum are the people who, like, call out the bullshit, you know, and they highlight and go, hey, look at this post, it's bullshit. And here are the scientific studies to refute the fact, you know, that it's not true. And so it's kind of like a name and shame sort of approach. And at the other end, there are people who basically never mention other posts and just go, hey, here's a true fact, you know. A lot of people mistakenly believe that this other thing is true, but in fact, this thing is the truth and here's the evidence for that. And so I I have placed myself much further up that end, up the end of like, like I'd, I'd never call out other professionals, say, hey, this person is wrong about this thing or anything like that. Um, but I still do use, I don't know, a little bit, I guess if you were being unkind, you could call it clickbait. Uh, like headlines, like stop posting workout videos. Is that right? what it's called, clickbait? Yeah, it's because it's what like does clickbait. Mean well, it means are you real people in? It's kind click? of sensational, sensationalized headlines that is not truly what the article's about. Yeah. Okay. So it's like you know, a woman delivers you know fifteen ton baby. It's like you know. It's, <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, you get people in. You get yeah. you get them hooked. You get them in. Yeah, and then you yeah, read okay. and you're like, hold on, that's you know, that's not true. Um, so <laughs> I mean, I I really try and uh, not be use clickbait, but I do try and like whilst keeping as you know truly factual, I try and make my headlines as intriguing and compelling as possible. You know, I try not to make them boring and easy to scroll past. <laughs> Right. I want Very people true. to I want people to scroll, scroll, scroll. Hold on, stop stop posting. What? What? 
Hold on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do you hook people in without saying don't and stop? Well, it's about the delivery, but right. yeah. So, so, well, uh, you know, there are other things that, uh, that do work, you know, um, but I have to say that's one of my best performing posts of all time. Really? Yeah. (laughs) You know what's so funny? Because that language actually does hook people in and fuck people over because I got a message on Instagram, a DM saying, please help me, mate. Don't help anyone, anyone, because you get hacked and then you'll get conned and then you get locked out of your Instagram account. And that's what happened to me. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I got back in yesterday, thank God. But um, yes, if anyone, so that anyone wasn't got you any messages. sending me all those uh, DMs recommending I start getting, getting into Bitcoin and NFTs? So hilarious they chose me because <laughs> as like, if Avi I would, would never do anything that. about Bitcoin. Don't even know how to pay my taxes. I would not know anything about Bitcoin. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, that wasn't me. If you got a message saying, please help me, mate. Yeah. I don't even say mate. Um, yeah, it wasn't me. So don't hate me, guys. Add me back on again. Uh, well, it's I actually think so annoying. When you, you sent so me a message saying, please help me, mate, I you didn't knew. respond. You knew. You were smart, right? Yeah. I was like, there's I was Amy. Done. I was, done. I was like, oh, I've got to help someone. Oh. Of course, I send them that link that they tell me to send them. <sighs> Stupid. Anyway, we learn. Yeah. We learn from our mistakes and we move on. Yep. All about learning. So, all right. So there is a tension there. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know how to resolve it. I think uh, ultimately, you know, people in this industry, just people in general, in every industry, are on a spectrum from, you know, people who listen to this show, for example, who are very open and even like enthusiastic about change and learning new things and expanding their their thinking. And then there are people who are very set in their ways and, you know, yeah, like attached exactly. to holding on to status quo. And there's a whole spectrum in between those those two excre- extremes. And I think it's it's basically impossible to change someone's mind if they're dead set on not changing oh, 100%. it. Hundred percent. Um yeah. And it's really easy to change someone's mind if they're eager to have their mind changed. Yeah, <laughs> and for most of want us, to change. Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. So, so you know, so I guess, you know, how do we choose our battles? And, you know, if someone's just, you know, out there being wrong, you know, when do we go, oh, you know what, I'm just going to let you be wrong and not worry about it. Like, for instance, if it's your boss at work, you know, um, who's doing all the nocebicuing or you, you work in a place where they say, oh, look, we really need you to make sure you activate everyone's core before you start every exercise because uh, that's that's a condition of working here. Um, yeah. You know, it's like how, do, actually how do you approach that? I actually have a friend that has that, does that. She has a boss that um, he's all, uh, yeah, she, she said that she does all the nocebic language and there's so much information um, and she has to change her classes when she, when her boss comes in, she has to change her uh, classes. So she does the she does the smile and nod and then just do your own fucking thing when no one's she in the room. She does her own fucking yeah. thing. She's yeah. an epic teacher. Like she's like one of the best teachers ever. And that makes me sad because I'm just like, you're a sick teacher, and you are working under someone who is micromanaging people and not evidence based. And yeah, it kind of sucks, but. Uh, yeah, I just think people are going to do this regardless. If they are stuck in their ways, they are stuck in their ways. But, you know, maybe just it's 
you kind of got to think about the the client and what the client what the what kind of results that you want out of the client is is your teaching about you or is it about the client is it about how you want to come across or is it about how to get results from your clients and it's having these conversations and thoughts with yourself to go to analyze and be critical of your own service because you are the service and we are our own service within services, if that makes sense. We are our own bosses within um, businesses. So, you know, people come to our class because of us and our personality and our classes. So at the end of the day, you know, you could work for someone, but um, people come for you. And uh, it is it is quite a vulnerable job and something that is very, it's a very pride and ego job, I would say, um, because you're standing up in front of 12 plus people every day. I mean, I stand up in front of 12 plus people 20, 20 to 25 times a week. Like, And I'm, I'm like excited, but I'm nervous every time I stand up in front of everyone. And I've been doing this for six years, but it's very, it's very, very vulnerable. And, um, and yeah, so it's quite an ego and pride driven job. So I think um, it is fair enough if you want to come across like you know your shit so you fill the space with micromanaging and saying make sure you do this and then we will lift up or make sure you're engaging this and then we will do this Um, because it makes you look like you know your shit and then people go, oh, she's talking a lot, she knows her shit, so therefore um, I'm going to trust her, I'm going to come to her class and I'm going to build a connection with you um, upon your amazing knowledge which may or may not be right or may not be right or true um but yeah I just think it just needs to go and I think it just always needs to go back to is this about you or is this about your your clients and the results you're getting from your clients um and in like it, it comes back to it if you are thinking about you and you're like oh I don't really want to drop that um I don't really want to drop this demeanor of people thinking that I know what I'm talking about. Cause I've been in this, this is personal experience, like literally talking so much saying this, this, and this, and this, and this, giving people all of these cues and instructions to make sure they're doing this, this, and this. And it's bloody exhausting. And I've been through the transition of letting the space be blank and turning up the music. And, you know, you kind of just got to let that pride and ego go because once you do start to feel comfortable with the uncertainty and um, blank space, people like you do get the results out of your clients and then they love you and then it comes back to being about you and then you feel great about yourself again because you're like, fuck yeah, I'm nailing it again. <laughs> so it's just, I think it's just about, you know, upskilling. Like, and I've constantly been, I want to be the best teacher I can be. Like I want I want to be the best teacher I can be for the client, but also for myself. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself and a lot of like responsibility and yeah. So I think it's just about, about just having a look at, having a good old look at yourself. Well, I, I <laughs> so mean, that was also my experience because I, I used to know all of the things and know all of them. You know, I still do know all of the names of all the muscles and ligaments and blah, blah, blah. And I used to, you know, every class I taught used to be fucking an anatomy lesson, alphabet soup of just, 
you know, this muscle, this muscle, cueing, activation, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so I didn't, I think if, if you had said what you just said now to me of like 2008, you know, like what's that 14 years, 14 years ago, I would have said, no, I'm doing this for the clients, you know, cause I know that the best thing for them is to stabilize their spine by contracting their transverse abdominis 25% before they, you know, move their leg, you know, so I am doing it for the clients. And then, and so, and so I, I would say that I, I, my guess is that almost everyone, probably everyone who teaches that way does it because they think it's the best best thing for the client. Yeah. Um, And they think they're doing best practice. Right. And then, and then, then comes that uncomfortable time, that uncomfortable phase, where you're first exposed to the evidence. And in my experience, I could ignore it for a bit, and I was quite comfortable going, "Oh yeah, there's a little leak in the Titanic, but you know we'll be fine. You know, no, no problem." <laughs> uh, um, and then there came a point for me where I was just like, "Yeah, no, I can't ignore this anymore because it's just what I'm doing isn't." Because I was studying at university, I was studying a Bachelor of Exercise Science, and I was like, yeah, what I'm learning at uni is just like saying that everything I'm teaching is not correct. <laughs> so uh, at a certain point, I couldn't ignore it. And I think for many of the people listening to this show, maybe that's also the case. You're somewhere along that journey where you've first been exposed to this new sort of world of evidence, and somewhere between like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I want to hear more about it, but I'm still not really, don't feel impetus to do it yet. And somewhere between that and like, oh no, I'm implementing it as as fast as I can, but I'm kind of struggling with it because sometimes some of the old words slip out and it's hard to transition. And and then I think that's where that ego struggle comes in because that was my experience of like, I was really fucking good at cueing all the muscles, right? I was really good at that. I taught students, I was teaching students how to do the Thomas test and measure posture and activate the multifidus and do all the things. That was my whole professional kind of expertise. I spent like a decade, you know, building up, and now I was, I was like, oh, that's all fucking wrong, you know. It's all, it's like I'm, I've got this high level of skill. I'm really expert at running a blockbuster video store, you know. It's like, it's like, oh, great. It's yeah, yeah. I think doing a diploma with you as well last year. I think that's what I thought I was going into. Like I thought. I was going to do like a mini physio course and I was going to know about everything. And then my classes were going to talk about anatomy and we're going to, we're isolating this muscle so that we can work on this muscle and blah, blah, blah. And then that's when I was like a, a kid in like a, a candy store where your mom said, well, you can't have any chocolate. And I was like, fine, fine. I don't get it. <laughs> Stomping my feet. And, the, and it, it does take some time and you, you do feel like a child going, no, 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 and you reject it. But um, yeah, I mean, I did twelve months of diploma. I did that twelve months of learning that, and it was honestly the best thing that I've done for my career. Like, I would not recommend that enough. Like, I just yeah, it's the most amazing thing to really understand the science behind pain and mostly just like psychology and how to understand people and how to work with people um, mentally, really, rather than just physically and, you know, 
our movement just helps people so much. Um, but yeah, where was I going with that? Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Raph, what were you saying? Yeah, well, I, I just think uh, I have. I guess um, there's you know the other dichotomy. You know, we're talking about this dichotomy or this tension between you know unity and you know, and change. And it's like, okay, well, to what, you know, we want to go along and get along and we want to live and let live. And we also want to like help people move forwards into the 21st century and get with the evidence. And those things are fundamentally incompatible in some ways. And I think also there's like, there's a, there's a tension between um, like what we're saying about um I guess you know wanting to wanting to em- empower um, our clients and and the world, and also to I don't know to to just um, I know my 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 words have deserted me, but um, <laughs> when does that ever happen, Ralph? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does happen from time to time. Um, yeah, so I feel I'm not like sure. you're a robot. Like you're so good with your words. You're just like so concise all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, what was I saying? Oh, butterfly. I'm distracted. <laughs> no, no. I get, I get, uh, I get uh, a bit fuzzy around the edges after a certain time of day. Um, so I, it's a I wine get, time, isn't it? No, time no, no. I, 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 I pretty much don't. Oh, no, sorry, three o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> don't you? I've actually stopped drinking as much too. Um, but I'm going to London on Sunday, and because um, I, I was living there, as I said before, and um, and I was like a party gal, like go like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whilst teaching thirty classes in the studio, um, thirty plus classes in the studio. Anyway, so lately I booked my I booked my flights. I'm going for two months, and I booked my flights because I was like, I'm going to go over. I can't wait on a working visa. I'm going to go over and just see my friends and party. And like do some trips to Europe as well, and also also treating teaching a retreat there too. Um, that I yeah booked the flights like three months ago to go and party, and now I'm like I don't like drinking anymore. So I don't know what's happening. Anyway, yeah. I'll get my I'll get my thirst back again once I'm there on Sunday. I'm sure. Um, well, anyway, it's better I'll for your brain. I'll watch you on social drink. media and see if I see you chugging pints or drinking lemon lime and bitters. <laughs> hey team, Raf from the future here, and uh, I woke up this morning and remembered <laughs> what I was thinking. So uh, I wanted to share that with you. Uh, so what I, what I uh, am thinking is basically there's a, there's a tension between uh, encouraging people to improve something or to, to not stress about something and actually stressing them about not stressing about it. So what I mean is, for example, uh, we know that, for example, um, sleeping poorly, like not enough sleep or poor quality sleep, is a contributor to uh, chronic pain. And so if you have someone with chronic pain, you know, one of the things that you would discuss with them um, under the whole person framework is, you know, how are you sleeping? And if they're not sleeping well, you might discuss with them strategies to improve their sleep. However, uh, so that's all good. However, if you take it too far and start uh, telling people you must sleep eight hours a night, otherwise you'll get chronic pain. And if you don't wear blue light blocking glasses and stop caffeine, you know, at midday and don't have any screens in three hours before you go to bed and have the room at 60 degrees Fahrenheit and blah, 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 you can actually cause people to become so anxious about getting enough sleep that they kind of create rules for themselves and say, if I don't get eight hours sleep, my back's going to be killing me tomorrow. So it's like, you can actually, the fear of uh, uh, 
helping people to overcome something can actually, you know, paradoxically, uh, if you take it too far, can cause the very thing that the, you're trying to help them to overcome. So, and that that applies also in this context where Amy and I are talking about, uh, you know, helping people, uh, you know, move fearlessly you know so if we're saying like you know don't don't know SIBO people don't use you know negative language about uh, the fragility of the body uh, and that can be taken too far as well I believe and you can um, you know if we start sort of shaming people for doing that it's like people can become so stressed about oh my god did I you know did I use a word that might damage someone it can actually become a negative experience and when the instructor is full of anxiety and fear that translates to the clients picking up. There's good research showing that uh, as fitness and health professionals, our attitudes and beliefs um, are transferred to our clients even when we don't explicitly talk through those beliefs, just our body language, tone of voice, et cetera, uh, our nonverbal communication. Uh, somehow clients pick up on that. So uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. The, there's, there's kind of a, a paradoxical tension between you know, helping somebody or encouraging somebody to do something or stop doing something for their own benefit. And then sometimes when we go too far with that, we can actually cause anxiety around, oh my God, if I don't get my, you know, eight hours, if I only get seven hours and 58 minutes, I'm I'm <laughs> cactus and my back's going to kill me. Or, you know, if I ever use an internal cue, if I ever mention the name of a muscle in my class, <laughs> you know, all my clients are going to explode and become regressed. <laughs> So, you know, so I think uh, that's that's the point that I realized this morning when I woke up that uh, I wanted to make when I had my uh, brain vacant moment <laughs> when I was talking with Amy yesterday. All right, back to the chat. And I think my brain's recovered now. So basically, like, you know, when I'm doing my best to combat misinformation and educate people about the common sort of myths and misconceptions in the Pilates industry, there's a tension there between me having maximal impact and like attention grabbing factor versus me being respectful and gentle with people. Right. Mm. And so the more gentle and respectful I am, sort of like the, the less attention I garner, you know, like I, I know I watched, you know, which posts to get more views and likes and follows and whatever. It's like, yeah, the ones with more controversial headlines get more Likes, yeah. more follows, more shares, more comments, all of the rest of it. Like that post had something like 98 comments on it, you know. Yeah, wow. Um, and, you know, and uh, it's funny, I actually redid that post as a, just a photo of me holding a whiteboard and the photo, and on the whiteboard, I just wrote in a whiteboard marker is stop posting video, workout videos and start showing your clients how to start, how to exercise despite the fact that they're they lack motivation, self-discipline and whatever, you know, and they've got fear of failure. Um, and that that is like my second most <laughs> really? um, shared um, post, yeah. And so like something about that really, really struck a chord with people and I think it's the controversy, you know, the controversy of it, the, the fact that it's somewhat confrontational, you know, it's saying stop doing this, that is has got to be part of it. You know. I think it does too. And I think if you're gonna get that kind of but we want we want positive we want positive comments back. Because I'm sure that the po that the comments you had were like were they negative or were they positive? Uh no, I'd say like 
uh, I get about ninety five percent positive comments on my on my posts. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's just go gung ho with that and say stop saying this and stop saying that because really you're kind of like head of the pyramids in the industry. Like I feel like people people listen to you. We're all like I don't know. <laughs> I know you shouldn't put anyone on pedestals, but no, don't put me. On everyone does listen. No, I'm definitely not. Well, no, I do a little bit, but people listen to you. So I really think that's why I came to you because I was like, we really need to get this out. We can't just sit by and just let people, let other instructors just and say these things because it actually does need to change. Like it really needs to change the industry. Like you can do you, but um, when it comes to affecting your clients, actually for them to have pain, then it's not, yeah, it's not good. You know the post of mine that got the most negative comments? It was titled, Are Ab Curls Safe in Pregnancy? Oh, yeah, that one. That one went fucking bananas. <laughs> do you know what? People that were highly, that... highly triggered by that. They were highly triggered. And do you know what, Raph? I had a few ones. It was one that I came home from, and this is not good. Not good to listen, to look at the Instagram when you come home at nighttime before you go to bed and after a few ones. And some lady was like, said something really bad to you. And I was like, is not trying to do this. <laughs> Rav is trying to help people. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I look up to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, that. Um, but yeah, it's like, are Ab Curl safe in pregnancy? In when I posted that, I was like, oh, that's such an unobtrusive question. In my mind, that was like, you know, Boringsville, like uncontroversial, a little bit interesting, but you know, but I, you know, that that caused a bit of a shitstorm. But like the thing is, people aren't people aren't reading it properly. They're not reading because what you're saying is just science based facts. I have a friend, at Matt, with um, in my online studio, and he'll come back at your posts and say, you know, I had this other experience, this experience, and I was like, you need to read it again. Read the post. He's literally Raph is just stating scientific facts, like. I think people read it and they go, um, they interpret it different or something, and then, yeah. and then they get confused, and then they get thinking about their personal experience, and then, the, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I had a lot, of, yeah, exactly like you say. I had a lot of people come back and say, "Oh, you're telling everyone they should do ab curls." It's you know, it's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this. You're now. not saying that. <laughs> That's not what you're saying. <laughs> what if they don't want to do ab curls? Well, they don't have to do don't ab have curls. To. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it. You can do ab curls till the cows come home, but when you're pregnant, up until you're whatever many weeks, but you're just not going to want to because there's a little something, something in the way. Right. And, and yeah, so like you say, it's like the, quest, the, the question I'm trying to answer there is, are they safe? Not should you do them or must we make all our clients do them? or exactly. Are they the best exercise? I wasn't trying to answer any of those questions. Just like, are they safe? And the answer is, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Sorry exactly. if you're triggered by that, if you're listening to this. Um, yeah. So where are we up to with this then? So have well, we resolved anything? Not really. Um, <sighs> I think, like, I do think it's a gradual thing. I do really think that it is people, they really need to care and they want to do the best by their clients and they want to change and, and give the best, uh, classes they can do. But yeah, I think there needs to be some pushing. So maybe that's where you come in and you do your posts and start saying more, stop doing this and start doing this. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think there are, I think uh, 
you know, many people like you, um, and I know, and I know for a fact, many of our Blades Elephants listeners, because I get shitloads of DMs from you guys all the time, are just excited by learning new stuff. And, you know, when you learn something new and you're like, huh, I never saw it that way before. That's fucking awesome. Now you can think and see the world in a whole new way. Like for me, that is a very exciting thing. And, and for a lot of us, that's true. And so those people are really easy to talk to because you're just like, hey, here's this really cool fact that I just learned. And they're like, oh, fuck, that's really cool. You know, so that's, that's a really easy conversation. And then there are people who are, um, they, they are motivated to learn and grow. And I think basically all Pilates instructors are, you know, we're voracious self-educators and continuing ed, you know, consumers, but, but the paradigm of learning that they've learned is that it all, learning is just happens within a box. And so when you go and do self-education, you know, you learn more about what you already know, right? Rather than learning, you know, outside of what you've learned or even questioning the assumptions that you're working with. And and this is not a criticism of those people. It's it's a, I think it's just a, it's actually a criticism of the education that they've received that has said like, you know, when you do a, our ongoing education, it's just like a bazillion repertoire workshops. And there's nothing wrong with repertoire workshops. I think it's great to have new ideas about teaching or whatever but it's like if that's all there is and there's no like okay why do we do this exercise and how do we know that that's true that we you know we think this is why we're doing the exercise how do we know that's true where does that information come from and how old is that information is that up to date you know because things change you know 200 years ago we thought bleeding people would you know (laughs) cure cancer (laughs) it's like turns out that's not true science moves on and we we learn new things and best practice the definition of best practice evolves over time Uh, and so i think that you know talking to those people who are good people they're well-intentioned people they're smart people but they're working within this paradigm that they've learned which is basically you learn you know learning they're working with what i call basically a shallow learning paradigm not a deep learning paradigm and I've talked about that on the episode with Kyle a um, few few episodes back. But basically, those are the people where you can't just say, hey, there's, here's this cool fact, because they actually are like, not listening, not listening. And so that those people, you have to kind of grab their attention somehow, you know, with something a bit shocking or controversial or unexpected and stop posting workout videos. What? And then they read it and they're like, oh. You know, and and then hopefully they don't misinterpret what you've said in the rest of the post and go, you're telling me I have to make all my pregnant clients do ab curls till 36 weeks. Um, you know, hopefully they don't misinterpret that because obviously I didn't do a very good job with that post because a lot of people did misinterpret it. But, <laughs> but you know, if you, if you can strike that balance between being shocking enough but not so shocking that you just defend the shit out of everyone, but shocking enough that people are like, huh, and they sort of, arrest their attention and and look, but they're not too shocked so they become so defensive that they can't actually take in what you're saying. And I've found that that's a you know, that's a fine balance to strike. And I've, you know, sometimes I I err, I go under, you know, like I'm not shocking enough and no one reads my posts. You know, <laughs> sometimes I'm too shocking and I get 80 people telling me I'm, you know, in, I'm you know, insisting all pregnant women must do curl-ups. Um, and you know, sometimes I get it about right and I do my whiteboard shot and it says, stop posting workout videos and start showing your clients how to exercise despite lack of motivation, fear of failure, you know, so long. 
Uh, so yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't know where that. Where does that leave us, Amy? I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't know the answer. I'm just kind of. I mean, you don't know. Like we don't. We all don't know the answer. Like it's not. It's not just up to you. I really feel like it's up to the individual, and I feel like it's up to. I think it's quite a lot of responsibility on the owner of studios too yeah. to really step in and go to all of your instructors' classes yeah. and just go and have the conversation, have a nice, encouraging conversation afterwards, and just say like, "What did you mean by that when you said that?" Like I loved your sandwich, I loved your class, like I love this and and I love this part and I love that part. Um, just in that part, what did you mean by that? And then and then have that and then they then they go and it's not saying that was wrong. And it's just it's them going, Oh, I don't know, I don't know what I meant by that. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> I heard someone yeah. say it in another class and I thought that's uncool, so I did it too. And like it's yeah, it's just getting them to start to think. And yeah. if it, if you are very passionate about it, I mean if I had my own studio I would probably, I'm very outspoken and I say, I speak upon emotion sometimes and, you know, I probably would be like, just be, to, to work here, like, can we just, can we just bring that back a little bit and just not, um, just try and not say that in your, in your, in your classes. It's so fun if you do. I mean, I slip up, I slip up all the time and I say things and I'm like, fuck Amy, why'd you say that? What did what you even mean by that? I don't even know what I meant by that. You know, like we're just human beings. We say stuff sometimes. and Especially in um, your fifth, fifth class of the day sometimes. Yeah, eighth class of the day, Raph. And I'm like, what am I saying? I can't see. <laughs> I teach my last Zoom class on like on a Thursday. It's like my eighth class. And I'm like, I can't see you. And yeah. then sometimes the, the camera flips upside down, so the reformer is going up and down the screen, and I just feel sick. <laughs> like, can you flip your camera? I can't. I'm so tired. I just want to get off and eat my dinner and go to bed. Um. Anyway, so I do think it is not just up to you. I think it's upon the individual to want to change, um, and I think it is very much upon the owner of the studio to um, go to your your um, your instructors classes and and one like Laura goes to the classes all the time here and one that's that shows you being there and that shows you being encouraging and that and that helps it puts the instructor as well under a bit of pressure to go oh fuck the owner's here which is good like when I first started and I had I had like people coming into my classes all the time and I was like fucking made me so nervous I remember Cat Webb coming to my class for the first time and she, she was my master trainer at KX and I nearly shat myself. I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then it sucked. It sucked so bad. I remember it. it was so bad. And then she was like, she messaged me. She's like, do you want some feedback? I was like, no. <laughs> I know, it was shit. <laughs> I don't want your feedback. So, yeah, I think, I, think, uh, I think it's good to put a bit of pressure on people. Good for like healthy little nudges. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, the individual's going to want to change. They've got yeah. to want to. I'd go a little bit further than that. I'd say I agree with you, but I'd go a bit further. I think, uh, and I would encourage you if you're listening to this and you own a studio and you have people working in the studio who are your employees or contractors or whatever, that actually it's you should, you know, like if you need to overcome some form of imposter syndrome or feel like it's not you're not worthy to give this person feedback or instruction or you know, tell them how to do their job. It's like, no, it's your job to tell them how to do their job. Like if you're the studio owner, that is literally your job to tell them how to do their job. And you should say to that, to all of your instructors, Hey, here's how it needs to be done. And here's why it needs to be done this way. And if you don't want to do it this way, that's fine. But this isn't the right workplace for you in that case. 
And of course, you know, I wouldn't use those literal words. I'd say, it, you know, I'd give them the whole, here are the things I love about working with you and all the rest of it. But I think it's it's really important that the employer sets the tone. And if people are teaching things in your studio that you disagree with, like you need to stop that. Like that's that's on you. The fish stinks from the head. Yeah, it does. Because the behavior that you tolerate is the behavior that you encourage. Exactly. Exactly. And, and in my experience as a studio owner for a decade, for many years I had people who I was employing who were more experienced than me, and for for quite a while I didn't give them feedback because I thought, oh, I'm not worthy to give this person feedback because they're actually a better teacher than me. But that doesn't mean I can't give them feedback. You know, yeah, I go to exactly. do their class. I notice that Mrs. Jones in the back is unattended and confused. I can give that feedback to them. Or if I notice that, like, everybody was – getting bored when we did mermaids for five minutes on one side while they check their phone, I can give them that feedback, you know. Give them a sandwich. Give them a sandwich. This was great. Love this. This part. Mm -hmm. Whatever. And then loved how you did this, though. All round loved it. Just that little bit. Just, nah. Say what you have to say. Um, I was going to say, can you, like, attach anything in the show notes that, can be like evidence-based like best practice so that people I don't know can have a look have a read like you mean what is best practice for say queuing or something like that is that what you mean yeah queuing yep 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 exactly and I haven't read your book the five dollar book you did the diploma so you don't need to read exactly. it. Exactly. I was yeah. going to say, because I was going to say, can you just attach something that's like a little diploma? <laughs> yeah, that's what the book is. The book is. So, yeah, I think if anyone is out there that are like, oh, I really like, I really want to do this, but I don't really know how to or what you're talking about in relation to what what am I supposed to cue, what am I not supposed to cue, read the book. book. Yeah. Five? Yeah. The, the diploma is 10000 US dollars and the book is $4.99 US. So if you link to that from the show notes, you'll find that um, you it's the same information as a diploma, but it's you know I'm not going to give you individual feedback on how you're executing it in the book like I do in the diploma, but <laughs> it's it's the same same information. Yeah, we've got to get it out there, Russ. You got to mm. get the word out. Mm. This has been an awesome chat, Amy. Awesome chat. Loved every second of it. Thank you so much. How many more classes you got today? Uh, three more. Just three more, eh? <laughs> I got this. I got this. You got this. You're awesome. And your clients this. are awesome. And the studio you work at is awesome. It's bloody awesome. And Laura Sager is bloody awesome. How many more springs are you going to add today? Five. I'm going to put oh. all springs on for the top row. <laughs> awesome. For a single arm row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lift the reformer up in the air. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Amy. Awesome, Ralph. Thanks so much. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. 
And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.